Today, listen, we begin a new series on the Lord's Prayer. We're going to be taking some time the next several Sundays leading up to Easter Sunday, which, by the way, is not that far away this year. It's April 9th, not that I got it memorized, but Sunday, April 9th, and I want to encourage you to be thinking, be praying, and be inviting your friends to experience um, church and God's love as we celebrate the resurrection. But it is still a few weeks away. Today we begin, though, the Lord's Prayer, a series looking at prayer. You know, prayer is one of those subjects, it's, it's, it's one of those topics that um, people are kind of iffy about. Like, some of you are even tempted right now. I'll check back in once the prayer series is over. Because it's, it's, it's one of those things, it's, it's kind of out there. You know, like a Bible, when somebody says, hey, read your Bible, you're like, on it. I, you can grab your Bible, you can read it, it's something to do. But prayer, prayer is a little, it's a little different. It's a little relational. And if you're anything like me, it, it, it kind of ebbs and flows depending on the season you're in or in, 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 in the moment you're in. But I want to tell you, I know this about you. You're wired for prayer. I just want to encourage you today. Um, your creator has wired you for relationship, and he's wired you to connect with him. And it's not about how cleaned up you are. It's not about how presentable you are. God is always near, he's always willing, and he's always available to listen and to draw close to us. And so my hope in this series is really to encourage you and to equip you, not condemn you, everybody, okay? Listen, we probably have enough struggles. I remember uh, in my 20s, you know, we'd hold each other accountable. It's like, how's your prayer life? Could be better. You know, that's your standard answer. How's your prayer life? Oh, uh, could be better. You know, could be better. Could be better. Well, I hope to make your prayer life better. Not in my strength, but through the goodness of God and hopefully, well, hopefully coming alongside the Holy Spirit and equipping you and encouraging you. But before we dive into all that I have to say, y'all need a joke. So, speaking on prayer, I want to share a little story about a praying Lady, how many of you are just grateful for a praying lady? May not may not know one or have one in your life, but there's there's a praying lady somewhere praying for you. I'll just say that. But this particular praying lady, every morning she would stand on her porch and with a loud voice cry out, saying, "Praise the Lord." She was one of them Christians, okay? Front porch in it, not keeping it inside. Front porch in it to all the neighbors. Praise the Lord every morning. This act disgusted one particular neighbor who prided himself on being an atheist. And any time this woman came out to make her declaration, he would reply to her saying, There is no God. So praise the Lord and shoot over here. There is no God. This banter continued all the time. And the older woman never failed to make her declaration. One day, however, the woman fell on hard times. And did not have money to get food items. After praying to God in the corner of her house in her usual manner, she decided to make her declaration in the open. Standing on her porch and lifting her hands to the sky, the woman began praying, saying, Praise the Lord God. I need food. I am having a hard time. Please, Lord, send me some groceries. Listening to her prayers, the neighbor hatched a plan. 
to get back at the woman and prove to her that there was indeed no God. As was her routine, the woman went out to her porch. The next morning was greeted with a beautiful answer to her prayers. On her porch was a large bag of groceries containing all that she needed and even wanted. Excited, she shouted, praise the Lord. Waiting for this moment, the neighbor jumped out of the bush, told the woman that he was the one who put the groceries there and not God, hence proving his point that there was no God. Smiling and thinking he had gotten the woman, he turned to leave, but the woman had a stunning response to him. Turning to him, she praised the Lord again and said, he not only sent me groceries, but he made the devil pay for them. Praise the Lord. Yes. Yes. I'm tempted to just shut it down right there, y'all. Don't tempt me. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was good. I've been saving that one for a while, y'all. Okay. okay. So if it is your first time, listen, I just set the expectation way up there. Next week, it, we'll, bring, we'll come back down to earth. Speaking of prayers and speaking of people that are atheists or no belief in, in God or maybe... Sometimes, some seasons of our life, finding ourselves in between, we know better, we've experienced God's nearness, but doubt crept in, disappointment crept in. I hope as well to be able to speak to you. I know that prayer um, may appear to come easy for me. I know that prayer, you may just think, well, he's a pastor, he's, he's supposed to be praying. I can tell you, there's been some dry seasons in my life, there's been some some. Seasons where I've done almost all the talking and very little listening. And the Lord had to humble me again and just draw me near to be still and know that he's God. And Prayer, I will say, is one of my favorite subjects. I grew up more of a prayer um, than a reading scripture guy. I had a passion for the presence of God before I was ever called into ministry. I, I, I was that guy. I loved, loved really... Uh, worship, still do. I love, love worship. If you're ever wondering why we worship, it's, it's, it's not to buy me time, right? It's not my, my minutes I need to find some last-minute notes. No, we believe worship is an opportunity to step into the presence of God, to leave behind what we've been experiencing, step into the presence of God, and fix our attention on the one, right, who's adored and loved and worthy of all praise and all honor. But coupled with that worship, I'd find myself praying, even from a young age, I've been uh, uh, passionate about prayer. Not perfect, not lived a perfect life, but it is a subject I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about. Now, I should also encourage you, I am passionate about the scriptures, somebody, okay? I don't want you to think, eh, take it or leave it. No, 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 no. Very passionate about the scriptures. But for me, um, I've always been fascinated by prayer. I've always been drawn to prayer. I grew up in a, experiencing God home. I saw my parents plant a church and pray for things and, and, and not make hints to anybody, and God show up with checks in the front door um, to, to, to make groceries, to, to meet needs. I've seen people be prayed over and then be healed. I mean, like, well, how do you explain it? Uh, God. <laughs> I've, I've seen people that um, are walking through depression in moments be prayed over and be healed. Does it happen every time? No, no. But I've just seen the power of prayer and the, and, and the experience of prayer. And over the years, I've also known what a vessel prayer is. In fact, I, I would say that, that the scriptures are, are designed to point us 
to prayer, to discovering the nature of God and knowing God. And you'd be encouraged to know this. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed a lot. And if you call yourself, I'm not proposing you do, but if you call yourself a disciple, part of that process is learning from our rabbi. Now, if you've been here before, you know that's not a word I bring up every Sunday because it's a little strange. But it's a Hebrew word, and it's very much part of the Jewish culture that a rabbi would teach followers. And these followers were called his disciples. And it was an expectation that they would learn from their rabbi. They would come up under the leadership and the teaching of their rabbi. And so, crazy, crazy moment in Luke chapter 11. Um, the, the disciples have been seeing Jesus pray. They've been seeing him minister. And Jesus is praying, and one of them comes up to him and says, Hey, teach us to pray like John, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, like John taught his disciples. And so Jesus says this. He says, When you pray, say. I want you to just see this for a moment. When you pray, say. It's like they had to learn the language of prayer. Jesus is about to give them the Lord's Prayer. It should be noted. He doesn't say, hey, when you pray, just pray what's on your heart, man. Whatever's on your heart, just go for it. He doesn't say, ah, just blurt out something, wing it, you know, make something up. He doesn't say, you know, X, Y, Z equals. He teaches them scriptural, biblical, First Testament, Old Testament truths. He was modeling a powerful prayer. The Lord's Prayer, depending on your church background, has a bit of a stigma to it. Lord's Prayer is a little overshadowed. Maybe you grew up in a church culture that shall remain nameless. And upon confessing one's sins, which if you get to Scripture, is, can be a, a bit of a beautiful thing. However, the danger of it is that the Lord's Prayer becomes what's known as an Our Father. And so sometimes we notice collectively in our church, and I'm, I'm sure all, all around this region, the dark side of that is that words lose their power. That Patterns or habits that were formed could actually have caused more trauma than being life-giving or hope-giving. And that experiences can kind of get tangled and we can find ourselves wanting to shove something aside and throw, in essence, the baby out with the bathwater. My hope is if that's you today, that somehow, in the mystery of God's goodness, you can disconnect from some of those experiences and some of those memories. And that I can come alongside you and share what a gift the Lord's Prayer has been to me. Because something you need to know, as I shared earlier, there are seasons I don't have the words to pray. There are some seasons I don't know what to say. But over the last decade, I've begun to learn the language of prayer. Coming up under the teaching of Jesus and recognizing how spirit-infused this prayer is. How powerful this prayer is. 
And like I said, I hope it can encourage and equip you. So what is this prayer? Thanks for asking. Lord's Prayer. It begins, as we know it, through the Christian tradition, not reading directly out of Luke 11, 1 and 2. We know that it is our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm a little old school, okay? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day what? Our daily bread. And then notice this. Forgive us our trespasses or sins or debts as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And then I was thinking about this yesterday, how I need this prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but what? Deliver us from evil. And then we push it back to the Lord. For yours is the what? Kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord's Prayer has three things. It is the power of those words. The prayer alone stands. It's beautiful. Beginning, in fact, I'll challenge you at the end, beginning to incorporate it into your daily prayer life. Along with what you're doing, I'm not asking you to give up the prayer life that you have, whether it's robust or limited. No matter what, you begin to incorporate this. And the prayer, the words, I want to tell you this, they work. They work. It's the Word of God. In fact, in my studies today, there were, oh, not today, <laughs> I didn't just study today. My studies this week, <laughs> you're like, wow, for winging it, he's pretty confident. No, no, no. My studies this week, everybody, my studies this week, I, I, I was just stunned by one of the early church fathers. It says, isn't it kind of crazy? You've got God in the human flesh giving his word on how to talk to him. To his disciples. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful thing. That, that God didn't just leave it like, hey, just wing it. Just whatever's on your heart, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I don't pray whatever's on my heart every time, okay? Because you all would think how shallow my prayer life is, okay? Especially when I'm impatient. But Jesus gives us the words of God to utter back to God. And here's something astounding. There's very <laughs> good... Um, confidence in saying this, that Jesus didn't just wing it when he gave the Lord's Prayer. He wasn't like, mm, here, here you go. There's a good chance that through the centuries, the people of Israel had been praying a similar prayer. It's rooted in the First Testament, in the Old Testament, life-giving. They would have experienced God. They would have quite literally seen God breaking in in the heavens. I mean, you think about God bringing his people out of slavery, bringing them out of Egypt. He was a fire by night and a cloud by day. I mean, bringing manna, food, and then adding insult to injury, hooking them up with some meat, the quail, healing the poisoned water. I mean, story after story after story doesn't show us a God that is distant, that is far-fetched, that is neglectful. It shows us an intimate, loving, caring God. And this is who Jesus reveals in the Lord's Prayer. And I just love, I just love that the disciples had to ask him, we, we need to, we see what you're doing. We see the authority, the confidence, the miracles, the signs, the wonders. We see your humility. We see your compassion. You're unlike any rabbi we've ever seen. We see your confidence. We see your integrity, your holiness. Some of his closest disciples are like, we've, we've seen 
you walking on water? Where does that come from, Jesus? My prayer life. My prayer life. My utter submission to God's will. I'm not entangled to the idols of this world. I'm set apart on mission. I've called you to be the same. I've called you to live a life of purpose. Not haphazardly, disjointed or fragmented. I've called for you to live whole. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Let me teach you how to pray. Andrew Murray, uh, another well-known South African pastor, over a century ago now, wrote a book, tremendous book, called With Christ in the School of Prayer. And he breaks down the Lord's Prayer as well. It's beautiful. You'll find, if you're interested, no lack of resources that I think could add maybe some depth or encouragement for you. But for our time, let's take a moment and look at the first line. This is what we'll do the next few weeks. We'll look at line by line. So the, the prayer begins, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, be thy name. So what we're going to look at today, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm going to break it down in four places. The first is our. O-U-R. Our. Our. It's intriguing that Jesus didn't say, my Father. He said, our Father. I think in Western society that has a tendency to be tremendously individualized, isolated, Inward focused. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you, okay? Our invites us into community. Our invites us to be reminded that we are participating in a global church that Australia started 23 hours ago, singing the Lord's praises, worshiping Him. That our brothers and sisters in Asia, and in the Middle East, under severe persecution, just hearing the stories of Indian pastors this past week who are gathering, and that the Hindu militants arrive and look them in the eye and say, renounce Christ, else we're burning this city to the ground. And then they say, we'll never renounce Christ. And what do they do? They burn their city to the ground. Real life happenings, that there's an hour, like, look, we're not the only church in the world. We're not the only Christian movement. I'm reminded of what's taking place in South America and what's taking place in, in, in Africa, the middle portion of Africa, the, where the gospel's growing the fastest. Like, it's slowed down here in America. Hate to burst bubbles. God wants to be wanted. God goes where he's needed. And our invites us. That sounds a little Irish or pirate-like, doesn't it? Our. I've been working on it all week, and I don't know what it is. I get... Our. How, how should I say that? Our. That's southern Indiana, right? <laughs> Just kidding. Our. But our, it brings us into the cross-cultural. I love this thought. The global church. But here's, here's what else it does. It brings us into our common need for God. Jesus needed to be tethered to the Father. He needed to be connected. The disciples knew this about him. And he doesn't just say, my father. If anybody could have said, my father, come on, you know it's Christ. You know it's the Lord. But what does he do? He says, our father. Reminding us 
that we do life corporately, within community. And that this may be the local life-giving church God's called you to be a part of. It might not be. I promise you, he has a local life-giving body where you can grow and be equipped and encouraged in your faith. It's an hour. We need one another. You remember it's becoming a distant memory. Some of us have suppressed 2020 better than others, but our <laughs> was taken for granted, wasn't it? Our need for one another. I remember we shut down as a church at the time, this kind of not kind of, honoring the local authorities, doing our best through a, you know, a strange time. And I remember when we regathered that first time, man, I'd never seen so many tears. <laughs> People, tears of joy, just encouraged to gather again, just to be in community again. I don't think the same thing was taking place in workplaces as it did in church. Nobody's, nobody's overjoyed crying when they got back to work. <laughs> Anyhow, that's another message. But our... It's a corporate faith. In fact, I thought this would be a great diagram. I, I hope to step on some toes today, so be encouraged by it. All right, we love, love stepping on toes. But uh, if we can bring up this diagram, I love this. This, 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 may, this may elbow some of you in the ribs, and that's okay. It, it used to with me as well. But you see the tree being Jesus Christ. You see four main streams of Christianity in the world today. Orthodox. Roman Catholic, Protestant, spiritual, Pentecostal. This, I didn't make this up. This is by somebody else. And notice what John 17 prays. This is one of the prayers I pray over you almost every day. Lord, just like Jesus and you, Father, are one, let your church be one. May we operate with unity. Had the distinct privilege we've started doing just about quarterly this past Thursday, having lunch with Five other pastors locally here. Not in competition. Not trying to outdo one another. Just sharing what God's doing in our life. And what we can pray for. Praying over pastors' kids who are unwell. Like, tragically unwell. Praying for other churches' members who have lost their way and are discouraged. Praying for finances that are needed. Do you know what I mean? In other places. It's, it's a beautiful picture. And it's this coming around our, that at the end of the day, we're in a unified kingdom that's called to go into all the world, preach the good news, teaching them to obey the scriptures and to stand step with the spirit. It's an our. And here's, here's the language. It moves from our, not my, but our. It moves from there to Father. Father, now this can be a triggering term for some, and I understand that. It's not intentional. Father is simply meant to be a vessel that understands, you can understand the nature of God towards you. Now I know earthly fathers always let us down, but our heavenly Father never will. It's a wonderful quote, if you can hang with me. I know I don't do too many quotes, and y'all have no... You have no idea of how many quotes I have not used already in this message. So, so that, that, that's you better listen, okay? <laughs> listen to this quote. This is by Justo L. Gonzalez, tremendous Latin American pastor, theologian. He wrote a book, Teach Us to Pray, and here's what he says about the word father, okay? This may be for you. 
The image of God as Father is useful in that it points to a God who gives us life, who protects us, and who provides for our needs. It's modeled after the Father ideal that God set forth, primarily in, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. It also speaks of a personal God who relates to us as persons. That's unique to Judeo and Christian religion. It's not a God far off that you have to appease, but it's a loving Father. Amen? That our Father has that. Rather than saying God is like an earthly father, we would do much better to say that earthly fathers should take God as a model of parental love. A love that God is constantly pouring out upon his sons and daughters. It's not to be used in a misogynistic, weaponized way either. Jesus, as he's beholding Jerusalem and the judgment that's about to come to them because of how they've not only rejected him, but how they've truly rejected the father. And Jesus says, I wish I could, like a mother hen, shadow you from the fires and the flames that are coming that I could gather you near. It's a, it's a vessel. What it's doing is it's leading us towards the nature of God. He's a good, he's a good God. And so my, my prayer, my hope, is that that word isn't too triggering for you that you can't participate in the prayer. Because we know, right, our, unfortunately, one of the, 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 the dark sides of culture is an absentee father. We know that abandonment is, is possible. I know that some of you have experienced that trauma. And so I don't say this insensitively, but I, I, I hope to come alongside and just encourage you, man. Earthly fathers fall short. I can't tell you how many times. My, my famous two words in our home are, I'm sorry, <laughs> to my daughters. Well, it might be like, be quiet. That might be the most popular. But there are seasons right now. <laughs> there are seasons right now where sometimes dad gets a little loud, get a little frustrated. I've got to come alongside and say, hey. With our oldest, here's what I do. I just want to say I'm sorry for the tone. What I said still stands and is important. How I said it is the apology you're getting. <laughs> Whatever, Dad. <laughs> Where was I? Father. All right, all right, all right. Jesus, in Matthew 5 through 7, hopefully you're familiar. If you're new to the faith, Take time, Matthew 5 through 7. If you're new to the faith or you've been distracted and far from it, zero in this season in Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 6, Jesus, Jesus says, your father knows what you need. I said it earlier, right? Your father knows what you need before you even ask. He's not speaking idealistically here. He's not giving us a vision that we can never attain to. No. He's coming alongside and saying, man, let your heart be at rest. Let your heart be in peace. You have a good heavenly father who, when you ask for a, a, a piece of bread, he's not going to give you a rock. When you ask for a fish, he's not going to hook you up with a snake. Like, come on. Some of you, you prank-centric fathers, you know, you, you're going to do that on purpose. God's not like a prank-centric father, all right? He's, he's, not, he's not sarcastic or satire. He's legitimate in that. He will meet your need. He will, on occasion, miss several occasions to be early. But he's always on time, somebody, okay? He's a good, good heavenly father. And so uh, let's pivot 
with a few remaining minutes. So it's our Father. It's, it's leading us. Here's what this does for me. Here's what this does for me. I'll just share. It, it, it reminds me where my view is, where my gaze is. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'll just admit it on behalf of all of us. One of the things that can be difficult in cultivating and developing a prayer life is distraction. It's distraction. I can't tell you how distracted I can get in my prayer life. This morning, I, it came out of my mouth in my prayer time. I was like, uh, Father, I don't know where I was. <laughs> I was praying. I was interceding for somebody. And I was, I don't know, thinking about sports scores or something. I'm, I'm a little addicted to soccer. I'm sorry about that. And then I was like, Father, I don't know where I was. I had a zero back in. This Lord's Prayer gives us a place for our attention to go before we ask all our needs. Our Father in heaven. There's something tragic that's happened in the last 2,000 years. Our vision and view of heaven. I'm not going to go into all the details because I would lose you in a moment. I'd lose myself in a moment. Socrates and Plato, some pretty big Greek philosophers, they had an idea of the heavens and the spiritual realms, and it influenced Christianity to the point where heaven is viewed on the other side of space. That somehow your prayers, God bless them, they have to travel at the speed of light times a million, and you're hoping they get there before tomorrow when you need your prayer answered. <laughs> Don't admit it, but if you've ever had those thoughts, nothing could be farther from the truth. Biblical understanding of this moment, this statement in heaven, is the first heavens. And the Jewish tradition would hold as the very air we're breathing in. That God's not up in the sky by and by. He's not, you know, the man upstairs. He's near. He's close. Um, can you forgive me for an example I'm about to use? Sure. We'll see who. <laughs> Liar. No, I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> if a pastor can say, I do not promote this show and then mention it, will you all forgive me? Okay. Do not promote this show, Stranger Things. But it gives an example that I think can be helpful in that it's, of all things, in Indiana. <laughs> but it's about the nearness of the spiritual realm. Now, unfortunately, it's, the, it's, it, it's more sci-fi than just spiritual. But it's on the dark side of what's trying to invade the, 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 the earth. Reality is, it does give us a bit of a picture of the nearness of God and the nearness of the spiritual realm. And that God isn't distant far, but he's close and he's invading. Last uh, Sunday, we didn't hear, but liturgically in the church calendar was Transfiguration Sunday. It's before Ash Wednesday. And it's this moment where Jesus goes to pray and he's got Peter, James, and John, his closest disciples. And while Jesus is praying, Moses and Elijah meet him on the top of the mountain. And it's like a bright white light. You may have read the Gospels, and Peter's like, I got a good idea. We need to set up a holiday inn. We need to bring a tent for all y'all so you can just camp out. And Peter's just, unfortunately, sticking his foot in his mouth, ill time, bad judgment. Um, but it's a picture of the nearness of the heavenly realms. I, I can't explain 
how sometimes when prayer is happening, people get healed. I can't explain that. All I know is that it's an expression of the nearness of God. I think one of the beautiful things that ha- has happened just about 90 minutes away in Asbury, Kentucky, is people are being astounded because they're, they're being awakened to the accessibility and the availability of God, that he's not miles away, that he's near. And I think what's so beautiful, especially with what I've been seeing on college campuses and at Asbury, is that it's simple. There's no hype. There's no famous preachers or speakers. God, uses, God can use all that. But it's the simplicity of the heavens are closer than we think. And so when I pray, when I pray or I, if I get on my knees on occasion, that's usually not the posture. But when I'm sitting and I'm like, our Father in heaven, it's a reminder that, that, that God is near, that God is close. Uh, y'all made it through one quote. Here's one more and then we'll close. Dallas Willard in The Divine Conspiracy says this, God is right here with us to look after us. The Old Testament experience of God is one of the direct presence of God's person, his knowledge and power to those who trust and serve him. Nothing, no human being or institution, no time, no space, no spiritual being, no event stands between God and those who trust him. The heavens are are always there with you no matter what. And the first heaven in biblical terms is precisely the atmosphere or air that surrounds your body. Incredible. Incredible. It makes some good sense when you think of Elijah, Mount Carmel, the fire invading. It hadn't been traveling from a week ago. It came in the heavens, the nearness. This last phrase, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus was Jewish. To be Jewish, you were refrained or restricted from saying Yahweh. Um, We say quite casually in Christian culture for those that are Christians studying the First Testament. And that's why they would talk about the sacredness of the name. In fact, when they were writing out the prophets or even the beginning of scriptures, there were the name wouldn't even be written down. It would just be three of, three of the letters as an abbreviation because they held such a dignity and sacredness and reverence for God. When I was in Israel, it was wild when we went to the Temple Mount. Our tour guide, who was an Orthodox Jew, he said, you're welcome to visit. He said, I'll meet you around on the other side. And we're like, well, don't you just want to cross over? He's like, no. We don't even cross over that area um, because traditionally that would have been where the Holy of Holies is, the presence of God is, and so we walk around. Um, I say that as an example for the level of reverence. And what God or Jesus is showing us in this is to look upwards, to know the nearness of God, but also to have within us a reverence for God. Not a casual Christianity, not a casual faith, also not a legalistic one, but an honor, an adoration, a worship. I'll tell you, one of the quickest ways I move away from anxious thinking, one of the quickest ways I move away from disappointment or discouragement is to lift my hands just to worship. There's going to be moments in life where all you have is worship. There's going to be moments in life where you want to defend your case, you want to defend your name, 
You want people, people been talking? You've been talking? Consequences, whatever it looks like, you're dealing with some stuff. Best thing to do in that moment is just worship. That is that phrase, hallowed be thy name. God, you're sacred, you're holy. I worship and I adore you. So here's what I want us to do as we close. This week, I would be honored. You try it out for a week. Come back next week, having tried it out. In your worship guide, there's one of these. It's the Lord's Prayer. Here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to put this somewhere near you in your life, maybe in your car, maybe in, in you have a place of prayer in your home, maybe you put it there, maybe you put it, you know, in your kitchen or on your refrigerator. And here's what I'd love to do twice a day, the beginning of the day and the end of the day. Somewhere in that beginning part of the day, I want you to pray this prayer, and here's what I would love for you to do. Have it in your mind as an invitation. God, I, wanna, I want you to draw... I'll, how about this? I want to draw near to you. I want to take the invitation to draw near to you. So it's, it's written there before you. You may have it memorized. You may not. May change some of the words. Welcome to. But you pray that at the beginning of the day. Then you go throughout your day. Then I was doing this last night. I want to encourage you. Have it as not an invitation, but a reflection at the end of the day. You just begin to think of your conversations. You begin to think of how you've treated others. You begin to think of maybe how some have treated you. And think about those closest to you. <laughs> Don't just think about your workplace. Think about, think about spouses. Think about children. Think about parents. Think about family. And not in a, not in a uh, frustrating or discouraging way. Man, I missed the mark so bad. Not that. But just as a realigning to the ways of God. You know what I mean? Beginning of the day, inviting, and then at the end of the day, as a reflection. I was getting that picture in my mind of the cloud by day and a fire by night. You know that cloud by day that would give the people of Israel an invitation to follow him into their promises. And then that fire by night, it can be a picture of our prayer life, that God would, would burn away the parts of us that aren't like him. You know, that we would give ourselves over again to prayer, to coming up under his ways and his life. And I'm going to tell you, in a week, I don't know the difference it'll make. I, I, I don't. But in a decade, I can stand before you and tell you this will make a tremendous difference. It will change, begin to change your temperament. It'll begin to smooth out some of the rough edges in your life. It will begin to reveal um, maybe some of the things you're chasing that you need to move away from. It's done all of those and more for me. And you pray before you experience it. So with unforgiveness, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive me. With knowing where all your money's coming from and where every dollar's budgeted. Thank you, Dave Ramsey. Father, I need your daily bread begin to take these arenas of life and come up under and you'll see that over time over time begin to see your life marked modeled after the ways of the Lord. During my most anxious season of life the Lord blessed me with the Lord's prayer and particularly particularly 
daily bread. Daily bread. For the funkiest season of my life, I couldn't see forward. I couldn't see beyond. I was kind of trapped in my thoughts. I was anxious. The Lord said, I've got strength enough for today. Will you take my word serious? I'm going to provide your daily bread. He's been doing it now. <laughs> and he promises to do the same. So could you take me up on that invitation? Listen, you want to talk about high accountability? That's not going to happen. It's between you and the Lord. But I want to encourage you. And through this series, we'll grow in our relationship with God. And so here's what you do. If you got a great quiet time, chalk this in on the end, okay? Just bring this in right at the end and let it be a place of surrender, a place of surrender to the Lord, a place of worship to the Lord, a place of trust to the Lord, that we would learn the language of prayer. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for today again. Thank you for this time again. And thank you for your prayer again. In fact, Lord, we say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 